Hey, this is Vince Morris, and you are listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Ryan Singer is working on an interesting web series. So it drives me crazy, so I I decide I need a therapist, but I don't have any money, so I find one off the internet, and the, the therapist I find is a ventriloquist dummy. And he never speaks, but I think he's brilliant. We'll hear more from Ryan in just a bit. We also have uh, our reoccurring feature, What Kind of Nonsense Is That? And we also have something really cool that I found on the internet. Details to come. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Paula Dean announced Thursday that she has cut business ties with the agent who helped make her a Food Network star and launch a media and merchandising empire that has largely crumbled in the wake of her admission that she used racial slurs in the past. She gave no reason for her parting with her agent and a prepared statement that featured sautéed onions, leeks, and a pinch of garlic. Gambia's parliament has made sweeping changes to the country's information law, introducing new legislation that threatens those who spread false news with 15 years, prison, and a $100,000 fine. Rupert Murdoch has canceled plans for Fox News Gambia. Takes a particular commitment to walk a mile through Manhattan in 90-degree heat with a cardboard box on your head, but of the 1,000 or so protesters who participated in July 4th Restore the 4th of March in New York City, at least a dozen took the opportunity to turn themselves into ad hoc security cameras. White shipping boxes folded into long rectangles, the letters NSA written on the side in marker, an unexpected way to suggest that Americans aren't happy with the government surveillance. The protesters posted the pictures on their Facebook page, Pinterest, and Tumblr. On the same day, Lamont revealed the French intelligence service has a domestic spying program that sounds a whole lot like the National Security Agency's operation. France's interior minister confirmed it received and then denied an asylum request from leaker Edward Snowden. However, France is still interested in hosting Snowden the Target department store mascot because he's so cute. Violence erupted in Egypt Friday as supporters of Mohamed Morsi turned out en masse calling for his restoration to the presidency two days after his ouster via a military coup. Confused Egyptian hipsters also called for Johnny Marr to once again work with Morsi. Five Guys and Shake Shack opened their doors in the heart of London this week as they looked to take advantage of the city's voracious appetite for top-quality burgers. Five Guys opened its first overseas location Thursday near London's bustling Covenant Garden, and visitors lined up around the block to get their hands on an all-American-style burger. The chain briefly considered calling the UK locations Five Blokes or Five Lads. After a successful online campaign that propelled Vulcan, the most well-known planet from Star Trek, to the top of the pole to name two moons orbiting Pluto, fans found out this past Tuesday that the moons would instead be named Kerberos and Styx, which placed second and third in the uh, polling. Fans of crappy 70s-era corporate rock were elated. And that's been Fake News with me. Okay, time for another installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? So, uh, DOMA was repealed last week, the Defense of Marriage Act, and, of course, uh, Fox News, always a source of comedy in such matters. Uh, Megan Kelly had on her show... Well, I'll let, I'll let her tell you who she had on her show. Joining me now, Simon Rosenberg, who's the president and founder of NDN, a think tank, and a former campaign advisor to President Clinton, and Ben Shapiro, who's a syndicated columnist and editor-at-large of Breitbart News. Gentlemen, welcome. Okay, first of all, weird having a guy that worked for Clinton uh, on the little mini panel there because Clinton's the one that actually signed it into law. All right, anyway, 
Um, of course, the, the not a surprising debate. You know, social conservatives are against it. Uh, liberals and people for social justice are for it. Um, but of course, the uh, social conservatives are having their feelings hurt because they're being kind of viewed as narrow-minded, uh, and rightly so. And uh, the the dude off of Breitbart says this. And this is where I really, you know, I'm off the rails with the left. I don't understand this. Uh, the left is celebrating this decision from a tyrannical Supreme Court that has decided to moralize from the bench. If we were talking about precisely the reverse, let's say that there was a law that passed that, that enshrined same-sex marriage into law at the state level, and Justice Scalia had written a decision talking about how traditional morality has long dictated that heterosexual marriage is of value and homosexual marriage is not, then the left would be declaring about a tyrannical Supreme Court overstepping the bounds of the Constitution. Okay, bit of a mouthful there, but it does deserve a... What kind of nonsense is that? Because what he's saying is if the Supreme Court had decided that, uh, that heterosexuals couldn't get married or some crazy crap like that, uh, then, of course, people would be crying. Well, of, of course, first of all, if you're uh, allowing people to do something that everybody else is allowed to do, that's not tyranny. That's the opposite of tyranny, okay? Like, let's take the gun thing, for example, okay? I get that. Even though I think it's stupid, I, I get they have a kernel of an argument saying, well, you can't take away assault rifles because, you know, uh, responsible people or collectors would like to have them, and if you take them away, then that's kind of tyrannical. Okay, I can understand that argument. It's stupid, but I understand it. But letting gay people get married is not tyrannical. No one's saying you have to get married, Breitbart guy, okay? So it's just crazy. And then uh, finally, surprisingly, Megyn Kelly uh, offers this at the end. Uh, you know, on something like this, they think that it, you know, may have done better to, to not weigh in on this. And then, on the other hand, you look at decisions like Brown versus Board of Education, where... Right. You know, if they hadn't weighed in on that, who knows how long it would have taken for, you know, us to get rid of separate but equal in this country. Huh? How about that? Not just another extremely pretty face over at Fox News. Okay, so just a quick review. If you allow people to do something that everybody else is allowed to do, not tyranny, okay? Otherwise, you get... What kind of nonsense is that? Ryan Singer is a stand-up comedian originally from Dayton, Ohio, who now lives in Los Angeles, California. He occasionally features for comedian Mark Merritt, but mostly headlines clubs and theaters around the country. Here now is our interview with Ryan Singer. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is the return of Ryan Singer. Ryan, how's it going? Great, how you doing? Pretty good, man. So you're out there in Los Angeles? Yeah, living in uh, the Glendale neighborhood. All right, very good. Angeles. Uh, yeah. The Valley. Yeah. It's pretty toasty out here lately. It's great. I can imagine. It's always, uh, that's the big joke out there that no one else in the rest of the country gets is that I guess it's much hotter in the Valley than it is on the other side of the mountains, like closer to the beach and stuff. Yeah, the mountains are like a, uh, a mother's arms uh, holding the Valley <laughs> close and creating warmth. Uh, and the beach is just wild and free. It's like the bathtub. Uh, I don't know if you remember the show back in the 90s called um, It's Like You Know. It was from one of the writers of Seinfeld, and uh, it took place in Los Angeles. And one of the big jokes of one of the episodes was the fact that it was much hotter in the valley than it was uh, by the, closer to the beach. And I was watching this going like, okay, talk about target marketing. Nobody outside yeah. Southern California <laughs> is going to understand this. Yeah, that seems strange that, um, that it would be that specific. And it was a reoccurring joke. They kept walking in and going, "Oh, they they, got, they went from the the like downtown whatever area, the other side of the valley, 
to um, the valley to visit some woman or something, and all they kept, oh, it's so hot here, it's so hot here. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That seems. I, you can think of something else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of such things, now you're you're mixed up in all kinds of crazy stuff here. Now I know you're featuring occasionally for Marin still. Is that is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, every once in a while, right? I okay. do uh, go feature for for Mark, and which is you know just a thrill. Um, so he's his tour schedule is cut down a little bit. I think he's going to pick it back up now that the, his uh, show's done airing, uh, at least for this season. His book tour is done. That's right. He, just had a, he, he had a lot of stuff going on, so uh, he wasn't on the road as much. But um, So, yeah, maybe here in the future, too, we'll do a few more. Uh, not as much as I, I had been doing. Okay. But, uh, definitely here and there. But you're headlining mostly anyway, right, when you're not yeah, featuring for uh, him? Unless I'm featuring for him, I'm, I'm trying to make the transition into full-time headlining, unless okay. I'm opening for Mark. Now, based out there, I know you're from uh, the Dayton slash Cincinnati area originally. Are you getting more dates out west, or are is it just uh, are you still all over the country? I know you're in Atlanta for the Fourth of July, but um. yeah, I'm doing. I'm slightly. I'm starting to get into the western side of the country a little more. There's not as much concentrated work as there is back in the Midwest and in the South area, uh, where I was, where most of my schedule does. Kind of concentrate itself, but uh, I'm starting to break into the the west side of the country a little bit more now. Uh, here and there, I was in Tacoma, Washington, just this last weekend, so that was great. Oh, okay, I guess it's much more spread out though the west because like a lot of people say, if you're in the Midwest, you know Chicago and Indy and Louisville and Cleveland and Cincinnati, a couple hours apart, but you know Portland to Las Vegas or out to you know, Oklahoma City or places like that, that's that's a pretty huge trek. Yeah, you're definitely you're definitely traveling a lot more just to get to the closest city that has a club out in the west. That's why it's it's such a great idea, well, not idea, but I mean if you're if you're born in the Midwest uh, and you want to do stand-up comedy, you're kind of born into a great place to start to start a career because there's so many clubs out there that you can just drive to within an eight. I, I think we figured it out within an eight-hour driving radius from Dayton. Uh, Cincinnati area, I think there's like 30 plus clubs. Yeah, and then people don't really realize there's uh, like Bloomington and Erie PA and places like that have comedy clubs and, and they do quite yeah. well. Yeah, sure. And you can make a living doing the road uh, as a feature act from the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was doing that, I did that for more than a few years. So now in Los Angeles, uh, I see you on Facebook all the time promoting different web things. So what all are you involved in out there when you are not doing stand up? I try to stay busy constantly when I'm not on the road. Um, it can be tough out here because it's beautiful and there's the beach and then there's the mountains. But I try to really remind myself that the reason I live here is for work. Yeah. So when I'm here, I'm trying to work on something every day um, if I can, whether it's filming, you know, taking part in somebody else's project, um, video editing something for myself or for another person, acting in something. Um, of course, doing shows at night as much as I can, and then just writing and trying to develop other show ideas. So what kind of projects are you involved in these days? Right now, I'm trying to sell a web series that I came up with, a concept I came up with, where um, the short of it is that I'm in love with my best friend, and she doesn't realize it. She thinks I'm, she probably thinks I'm gay because we've been best friends for over 10 years, and I've never put the moves on her. Okay. Um, and so then she tells me all of her 
really detailed information about her being with other men and it kind of drives me crazy every time I'm about to confess my love to her she starts telling me some graphic description of um, some random dude she hooked up with so it drives me crazy so I, I decide I need a therapist but I don't have any money so I find one off the internet uh, <laughs> and the, the therapist I find is a ventriloquist dummy and he never <laughs> speaks but I think he's brilliant okay all right that's hmm. that's the uh, idea of the web series that I'm trying to sell right now cool and then what else? I'm uh, also currently editing uh, a web series version of the Organic Tour documentary that Jared Harris and I filmed in January of this past year. I'm going to see him this pa- uh, this coming weekend uh, north of Atlanta. I'm going to spend a night over at his place. He's got this land he bought where he's building a dirt bike track out in the middle of nowhere, and he's kind of living off the grid. So I'm going to go spend a night out there. We're going to film a bunch of stuff, and then uh, we're going to add that into the footage. But um, So we're trying to sell that as a web series as well right now. Cool. So how far on the first web series is as a pilot been done, or is it just the script stage, or what 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 part of the process are you in? Well, I've made a sizzle reel, like just kind of like a teaser video that's about a minute and a half long, uh, just a general like idea of what it would look like with me in the therapist office, because I think that would probably be the hardest part for people to wrap their brain around. Like, well, how do you how do you go see a therapist and who never speaks to you? Okay. So I kind of shot like a minute and a half of what that could look like. And then I've got like a treatment, which is pretty much just a summary with the first six, uh, the first six episodes, just kind of, you know, a paragraph summary of, of what those would be. Okay. The ideas. And uh, now you were doing a, that show, uh, I can't remember what it was, with Tom Simmons and uh, where you guys went around the, what was it called? Um, it's called Kooks. Kooks. Uh, any, any more on that? That was a, a fascinating uh, a show, you know, a nice uh, dichotomy of opinions there about the supernatural and, and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, God, I love, I love doing that show. Um, we haven't done anything with that show for a while. We tried to sell it as a TV show concept, kind of a daily show with paranormal news, which I don't understand how that didn't sell. I know. Um, <laughs> because of all the shows that are on TV right now, like to have a collection pool of all of those, oh, man, I'd still love to do that show. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so we we were doing the live show for a while with uh, Billy Wayne Davis. That's right, Billy. Now, let me to break down the the concept here. It was you guys talked about kind of the supernatural things and kind of odd things, but it, from different perspectives. And you were more of what we would call the uh, the true believer of the things. And was Tom the um, the skeptic, or was Billy Wayne Davis the skeptic? No, Billy Wayne Davis is definitely not the skeptic. Okay, Billy Wayne. I was more of the true believer when it came to. Uh, paranormal stuff, um, like you, like I kind of launched from the point of view. Uh, if someone told me that they saw an alien, I'd be like, I would tell someone, okay, prove to me that they didn't. Okay. Uh, Simmons would, Tom Simmons would be kind of like, okay, let's prove to me that you did. And Billy Wayne Davis was kind of coming in from the angle of, were they working with the New World Order? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he's kind of like, he's more of the conspiratorial mind. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I'm more of the paranormal mind. And Tom is open to all of it and believes that it's possible, but wants, just wants some evidence. Right. Okay. All. I think I'm probably more with Tom in that, in that uh, vein. Um, but he turned yeah. up at a uh, pro-am. Of, he was in Cincinnati headlining. He turned up at the pro-am on Wednesday night just to try out some new jokes. Holy cow, did he kill. Oh, he's so funny. Oh, he's man. so sharp. Yeah. His brain, his brain operates in a, in a way that my brain can't understand, uh, at least the operational aspect of it, because his product I totally understand, and I think it's hilarious. But when it comes to 
being able to be as prolific. I mean, I think he has five albums out. I mean, he's just really fun. He's just so funny. Uh, but yeah, he, he's pretty prolific, too. Uh, now, speaking of uh, on stage stuff, what are you talking about on stage these days? Well, right now I'm trying to I'm trying to really embrace the idea of you know all the things that I don't understand and, and how much I like them, and I'm glad that other people figured out how to do them. I'm kind of kind of the second half of my last album kind of started headed in that direction. I started heading in that direction. Oh yeah, um, and that's kind of where I've just completely launched into, and I'm also getting maybe a little more personal. Um, and trying to examine the possibility of how much darkness I'm capable of. Like, um, like for example, I have a joke about um, that long, about my ex-girlfriend that I wanted to, that actually I genuinely had the thought that I could kidnap her um, because she, she couldn't fall in love with me and I was just head over heels in love with her. So I was like, well, I could just kidnap her. <laughs> like that, that thought actually popped into my head I mean hopefully it wasn't genuine sure but it, it did occur while I was driving her to the airport once huh. uh, uh, when she came to visit so I've just been kind of examining like well well how does that happen um, why would I be capable of doing something like that and I think it I, what it boils down to is I think I am capable of probably anything under the right circumstances um, regardless of how I feel about myself or the type of person I think I am I, I, I definitely wouldn't put anything past me but I'm also really just excited about trying to figure out you know how to convey to people how lucky we are to be living right now that's that's probably the big thing that I'm, I'm trying to really crack through and like what is the best way to to explain that to them make them laugh and make them understand like wow we're really we're really lucky beyond beyond what we can even comprehend uh, to be living in this time. Yeah, because I hear a lot of like serious discussion about that on like NPR and stuff. Where like you, if you were poor back in the seventeenth, eighteenth century, you were really, really poor. I mean, you spent your time indoors in the winter the whole time, hopefully subsisting on whatever you were able to store, and it was a miserable existence. And now, you know, if if you're you're poor now, yeah, it's 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 a awful existence, but it's nothing like you know it was in the in the 18th and 19th centuries. Yeah, you have a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean not everybody has a cell phone, but I mean, yeah. granted this is all relative because we were born we were randomly born into this part of the country or this part of the world. Yeah. So, it is there is a big difference and I'm trying to stay focused on how lucky I am to even be able to have this conversation with you right now because yeah. I could have been born somewhere else and wouldn't know what podcasting is. I wouldn't know what stand-up comedy is. I would just know uh that I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't really get past that most days. Or even bigger than that, I'm thirsty for water I can actually drink. Yeah. So to even be able to have, even be able to have, it's a very, it's a, it's a luxurious life. Even, even when I'm struggling financially, it's still pretty luxurious. Yeah. It's a luxurious struggle, to yeah. say the least. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, back to that first bit you were talking about, the, the your side of the darkness, it reminded me that, you know, uh, Edgar Allan Poe called that the imp of the perverse. And, oh. uh, yeah, it's it's where you like, and he, one of the examples he gave, I think, was you're standing on the edge of a building or something, and you could think, I could just jump right, jump off right now. And uh, I guess his question was, is this just something you think or something you could really do? And I guess you don't really know until you actually do it. So that's one of those kind of situations, I suppose. Yeah, I think... Because some people will be like, when, when people, certain news stories will happen, I mean, I believe in the possibility of anything, and I tell that to people about whether it's because of the experiences I've had in my life that have made me kind of a true believer and all those kinds of things. But 
to think um, that you would never be able, would never do something to judge someone and be like, oh my god, I would never do that. Yeah, I try I try not to say that sentence because I realize, you know what? Let, let's settle down because the right circumstances probably hypothetically wouldn't make me do anything. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I would never murder out of passion because I think that's why the death penalty doesn't work because you can't prevent crimes of passion. That's in their very definition. You're not going to be able to stop that. Someone isn't going to stop in the middle of a jealous rage and think to myself, well, I don't want to face the electric chair. They're not going to think that. Yeah. Um, Or they wouldn't be doing it in the first place. Um, You just can't control that passion. So the idea that you can disconnect from desire, which I guess is kind of a Buddhist thing, um, to be able to actually achieve something like that would be remarkable. And summertime makes it difficult to disconnect from a very specific kind of desire, I think, because, you know, the warmer the weather, the less clothing most people are wearing. So it, it becomes like this really interesting time of the year for me where I'm like, oh, geez, I mean, I could just spend the rest of my life, you know, on a beach, you know, look staring at women in bikinis. Like, it's like, talk about the imp of the perverse. I mean, I could, uh, yeah. who, knows, who knows what's going through my mind half the time uh, <laughs> out there, especially in this city in Los Angeles where yes. it's, it's just everywhere you look, it's just legs. And it's just like, oh man, this is driving me crazy. But, um, and then you, uh, I mean, before we go into too dark of a place with this, yes. <laughs> this train of thought, um, it is interesting to think that some people don't think they're capable of certain things. Now, am I capable of certain greatness? I don't know. There's certain like, I have this big fear that when, whenever I watch one of those like bank heist movies or something, whenever there's hostages in a situation, there's always that one person who won't stop whining and, and people in the audience and people in the actual movie are always like, just shut up, just shut up. And like, they're starting to get really just aggravated with that person Yeah, because they're being a coward or they're being, you know, they're being very weak. Um, my biggest fear is that I'm that person in the movie. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the person who sells out the rest of the group. Right. To try <laughs> yeah. Save themselves. So you do the opposite. Is like you couldn't create this, you know, uh, horrible crowd, but you'd actually turn out to be a, a less strong than you think. I could be on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I, I all the time I'm thinking like, what, which would I actually do? And I guess you have to kind of, you know, people say, oh, I couldn't imagine doing that. But then at some point, you have to imagine trying to do it to get yourself to realize that you would or you wouldn't do it, you know? So that's an interesting uh, interesting uh, debate you could have with yourself there. Yeah, because we all want to be the hero. We all think of yeah. ourselves the hero's role. But then I'm at a point in my life where I'm not so much considering myself automatically to be in the hero's role. I'm always being – I'm tr- trying to eliminate the other roles so I can be like, well, I must be the hero then. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't do the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – Cool, man. Or I try, I try to figure out what it would take for me to actually do the other one. But, uh, oh, it's, it's scary to think about. Uh, okay, so we're, what shows do you have coming up uh, before I let you go? So we got, I know Cincinnati, of course, coming up uh, here in, after the July 4th holidays. And then uh, what, what where can people look for you uh, in the uh, rest of the summer and uh, early fall? Uh, rest of the summer, early fall, the weekend after Go Bananas, I think it's the 19th and 20th. Uh, yeah, I'll be in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Nut Street Comedy Club. Unfortunately, the place is closing at the end of the month because the building is shutting down. So oh. there's only a little bit of time left to see this magical little basement. It's almost like a se- you're in on a secret when you come to the show. And it's really, luckily, the secret is out. Um, so there's audiences there. But it's really, really fun. And there's some really great stuff that happens uh, in that basement. But that's Nut Street Comedy 
Club in Wilmington. And then I'm doing Flick My Clip, the little comedy oh, that's right. shorts festival. Yeah. I'm doing, I'll be at the uh, Dayton Film Festival. I believe that's the 23rd, 24th of August. Uh, we'll be doing it in uh, the Laugh Your Asheville Comedy Festival off, or Laugh Your Asheville off Comedy Festival. Uh, we'll be doing Flick My Clip there as well. I believe that's like the 17th of August. And then Cincinnati Film Festival as well. I don't have a specific date for that yet. But Flick My Clip will screen there again as well. So we're in uh, three film festivals this year. So that's exciting. Cool, man. All right. Well, good luck to you the rest of the way, of course. And uh, we'll see you in town uh, next week and hopefully again in the fall with the, the film festival and whatnot. And, uh, and thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you when I'm in town. All right, man. Thanks. Okay, thanks Bye-bye. again. Okay, bye. Thanks again to Ryan Singer for being on the show. All right, special treat for you now. Something cool I found on the internet. Boy, always exciting when you can find something cool on the internet you've been looking for for years. Uh, For years and years and years, I've been looking for this song. And uh, as some of you may know, uh, I love the Connells, a quartet from North Carolina, sometimes a quintet. Uh, Americana rock, just awesome. Check them out. Find them. Uh, love them, listen to them. Anyway, uh, they did a song, uh, it was a cover of Niccolo's Cruel to be Kind for a movie called The Curve. The movie is also known as Dead Man's Curve, and it came out in 1998. The soundtrack was never released, and so ever since then I've been searching for this uh, version of Cruel to be Kind. We are going to hear that uh, as we end the show, but uh, I found a website where a guy had posted all these rare Connell's tracks, and amongst all these cool things, there's some covers, there's some B-sides, uh, but among all these uh, cool songs, I also found them doing a cover of Brian Wilson's Love and Mercy, and it is so cool. So I'm going to play that for you right now. Love and mercy what we need tonight. Tonight, I was standing in my room and the news came on TV. There's a lot of people out there, and it really scares me. Love and mercy is what we need tonight. Love and mercy to you and your friends tonight I was lying in a bar just watching all the people there All the loneliness in this world, man, it just ain't fair Love and mercy is what we Tonight Love and mercy to you and your friends tonight Love and mercy tonight 
The Connells covering Brian Wilson's Love and Mercy from his 1989 album, Brian Wilson. That was recorded about 1998 by the Connells in a studio somewhere down south. Okay, again, thanks to Ryan Singer for being on the show. Um, all the usual credits, of course, like us on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. Uh, PFT recorded logo designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl. Uh, on Twitter. Dan Logan's podcast, of course, is Magic Potion. You can find that in iTunes. Uh, let me see what else. Oh, of course, original music for PF Tape Recorder, composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor, with a little help from me. Uh, that is all the business we have to take care of for this week. We are going to go out, of course, with uh, my newly found favorite uh, recording. Here is uh, the Connells covering Nick Lowe's Very Fine Cruel to Be Kind. And uh, so long, and thanks for listening. Play.